1: In its first annual Homeland Threat Assessment, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security said white supremacist extremists remain the deadliest domestic terror threat to the United States, and they are certainly a big factor on social media, which knows no national borders. And yesterday, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced the company's new policy that will ban posts that deny the Holocaust or distort the facts surrounding it. It's a big reversal for him. He's faced massive criticism and a boycott over his previous refusal to do just that. He says his own thinking has evolved as he has seen data showing an increase in anti-Semitic violence around the world. And here at home, latest statistics show that the Jewish community remains the most targeted by hate crimes, but There are plenty to go around. Just this weekend, there was a violent threat against a Toronto mosque, which prompted it to close. The police are investigated. And we learn that there have been more than 600 incidents of hate targeting Asians in Canada. And they have been reported to Chinese-Canadian groups since the pandemic began. And one of in three of those incidents involved an assault. Now, what the heck is going on here? Is any of this a spillover from the kind of violence that we're seeing in the United States? What are the other factors? Is it the pandemic causing it? Um so we're going to try to drill down on that. Let me give the numbers out again 416 toll free one 866 740 Now I'd like to bring in Noah Shack who is uh he is uh with the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs Vice President and Phil Gersky President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consultants and a former analyst with CSIS. Thank you for joining us and welcome to you both.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
1: Okay, let us start with Phil. So the U.S. Homeland Security said their biggest internal threat are white supremacists. Would you say the same is true here in Canada?
2: No, I would say that the threat is a little more diverse than that in Canada, Libby. Uh, certainly the threat from the far right in the United States has been that, that way for quite some time. Uh, even if they have had Islamist terrorist plots in places like San Bernardino and Orlando, et cetera. Et cetera here in Canada, we've had uh, plots from all kinds of actors. You know, we've had uh, jihadi plots, we've had far-right plots, some of which were successful, uh, some of which we foiled, thanks to the in and the RCMP. So I, I would not go on, on a limb and say that one particular threat trajectory is any greater than the other. I think they're all important, and I think we have to ensure that we have the resources to investigate and stop these, these violent actors from carrying out actions of violence that can kill and maim people
1: hmm Okay. Noah Shack. first of all, what is your reaction to Facebook finally saying that it is not going to tolerate Holocaust denial?
3: Well, th- that's something we've been speaking with Facebook about for quite some time, and we're very pleased to see this step being taken, not just because Holocaust denial is offensive um, or that online hate promotion is offensive, but because it, it, it forms a gateway for uh, radicalization. The only reason that the Holocaust is denied is in order to cast dispersions on Jews and to create um, a sense of a Jewish plot uh, that feeds into all kinds of anti-Semitic stereotypes that are part of the radicalization process, uh, not just for white supremacists, but for uh, Jew-haters across the political spectrum. And unfortunately, anti-Semitism is as much a problem on the extreme left as it is on the extreme right Uh, and everywhere in between. It's a toxic virus. And our hope is that by confronting some of these online phenomena, we can help to uh, prevent the spillover from the internet space into the real world. And during the pandemic, while so many of us are spending so much more time online, um, this is really an acute problem. We saw the uh, individual who uh, shot up a synagogue in San Diego, that over a period of 18 months, uh, he, he self-radicalized online. And and uh, if we're going to have any hope of confronting this hatred before somebody picks up a knife or a gun, uh, it starts with these smaller incidents. It starts with the smaller uh, phenomenon of things like Holocaust style and hate promotion. And if we uh, make a concerted effort to address those problems, uh, it'll, it'll help uh, with... The, the violence that that of course concerns us all
1: okay Phil uh, we just uh, just today we got a number about these uh, assaults on people of Asian descent and it seems to be tied to the pandemic uh, they're being blamed for it because they're of Chinese or other Asian mm-hmm. descent um, and and also there was this terrible threat against a mosque mm-hmm. uh, do you see this as a direct result of the pandemic uh, and people spending more time online? What what's the cause of this?
2: It, it, it's really complicated, uh, and I, I will disagree with one thing your your other guest said. Nobody self radicalizes, Libby. It's it's a it's a community thing. It's about people talking to people and and copying people. You don't, it doesn't happen in in, in the recesses of your own mind. This has been going on for a long time, Libby. The pandemic is merely exacerbating a situation. As your previous as your other guest said anti-Semitism and hate has been around forever. Uh, You know, racism's been around forever. The dislike of people who are different has been around forever. The pandemic, as your guest said, with us spending more time online, is perhaps uh, acting as an echo chamber for a lot more material to be presented, but it's not causing this. This is simply facilitating it. And we are in an extraordinary time now where people, we have not had this for, for, you know, for, for, for a long time in which people aren't going to work, they're not going to school, and they're immersing themselves in these sort of rabbit holes online. But I, I guess I, again, I you know, would caution that, you know, when I, when I work at radicalization that sees this, I mean, it's not a very simple thing to define. It is actually very, very complex and there are no easy solutions to it. And the other thing I would also say very quickly, the vast majority of people who are posting on uh, things online, hateful things online, never do anything about them. They, they talk the talk. They don't walk the walk. The challenge is identifying those who will move from talk to action. And that again is a very complicated thing to do. We get it right a lot of the times. We don't get it right all the time.
1: Uh, Phil, before we take a break, I do have uh, one question. That whole uh, crazy QAnon thing, which mm-hmm. seems to have taken hold, and then I read on the weekend that it's also, it's also finding a home in, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that spreading here in Canada as well?
2: My understanding from what I've seen from open source, and obviously I have no access to cloud information now that I'm retired, is the answer is yes, Libby. There is a small fringe of people, who believe in any conspiracy theories. But again, put it in context. When my late mother was around, she used to buy the National Enquirer. Remember the National Enquirer? Absolutely. It was, more, it was funny, right? These people aren't funny anymore. They're serious. So it's all about spreading disinformation and some people who are vulnerable to taking it to the nth degree. It's worth looking at. But again, not everyone who goes on the Q QAnon is going to do something violent.
1: Noah Schack, you know, every year we see statistics on anti-Semitic acts. Uh, We keep seeing seeing statistics about young people being completely unaware of the Holocaust or what happened. Why can we not see, you know, a lessening of this?
3: Well, I think think it's an important point that uh, this is a consistent phenomenon that we have seen over an extended period of time. And Unfortunately, uh, today the experience continues. Um, the Jewish High Holiday is just wrapped up, and and uh, unfortunately, uh, there were a number of incidents of anti-Semitic harassment uh, of worshippers at prayer uh, and other incidents, uh, including uh, conspiracy theories about about Jews being responsible for the COVID nineteen pandemic, and and this is a phenomenon that that uh, persists. I think, of course, when it comes to young people, education is crucial, um, and, and we all need to be able to identify anti-Semitism in our midst. Thankfully, here in Canada, um, uh, you know, we're not seeing uh, the level of anti-Semitism that exists in, in uh, some of the European countries, even, even in the United States, arguably. Um, you know, we do have a, a neo-Nazi political party here in Canada uh, but it only garnered a couple hundred votes in the last election, and and I don't think any of your listeners will, will know the name of this party even off the top of their heads. But we need to be vigilant. We have something very special here in Canada and worth protecting, and we need to make sure that we are identifying and addressing uh, all of the incidents of hatred that are occurring uh, to prevent the situation that has unfortunately and tragically taken root in some of the other countries. Uh, very similar to our own from from manifesting here in Canada as well.
1: Uh, Phil, uh, I want to talk about this truly bizarre incident in the U.S. last week where uh, there was a plot to kidnap and likely murder the governor of Michigan. And I'd like to know from you, uh, is that something that you see as an outgrowth of the kind of white supremacist terror that they've had for a long time there. And is it something that you could ever see Taking root here, I mean it has you know there's obviously is misogynist, and people were very upset with her for taking uh for taking precautions and and instituting measures because of the coronavirus and and also you know it can't be ignored uh Donald Trump was tweeting things like liberate michigan
2: yeah those are all good points Libby. a couple things i you cannot separate this from what the U.S. president's been saying for the past four years. He's been doing more than nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the far right in the States, which, you know, as the DHS says, is, is a huge problem. I would never say it could not happen in here. You never say never when you work in security intelligence or law enforcement. But the degree of violence and the degree of threats in the United, in the United States uh, is far greater than what it is here in Canada. So I, I like to think that my, my former colleagues at CSIS and friends at the RCMP are looking at this kind of thing. And I just think that overall, and as you guessed, Canada is a wonderful country, but we have our problems, and we have to identify those problems. We just don't have that level of political incivility uh, and discord. We don't have our prime minister saying, liberate Ontario or liberate Alberta kind of thing. So it comes from the top, and it's a, it's a longstanding problem the United States has ever had since the end of the, second, you know, end of the Civil War in the 1860s. And again, it's complicated. I hate, I hate using that word so much. It's complicated. But So yes, it could happen here. I think it's less likely to happen here which which doesn't mean, as your guest said, we shouldn't remain vigilant. We should all remain vigilant as Canadians to point this stuff out, to, to denounce it, and to call the authorities when we're concerned. Uh,
1: Phil, I, I want to drill down a little bit, because one of the things that I found surprising, it kept being characterized as a very well-organized, well-thought-out plot. And, and when you hear about something like that, it, it seems so way out there. You'd think it, it would be a, a bunch of, uh, you know, s- s- strange people. I, you wouldn't think that it would be such an organized, well-thought-out thing.
2: Yeah, I, I think I was surprised at the degree to which this was organized. My understanding is that this, this Wolverine militia or watch whatever they're calling themselves got on the FBI radar as early as March of this year when they heard some talk about killing police officers. And so it's been around for a while. And, yes, it was organized, but at the same time, Liddy, it doesn't make a rocket scientist care of an act of violence. Some of the plots that we have intercepted here in Canada haven't been held, you know, planned by the sharpest counsel in the box sometimes. but This one did have some legs. It was real, despite the fact the president's dismissing it. And, yeah, it does, it does worry you, especially in a country with 350 million guns and in a state where open yep. carry is the law, that it got to this level. So thank God the FBI infiltrated They had some human sources, which was great. Kudos to them. It could have been a real danger for the governor of Michigan and the people around her.
1: Yep. Um, Yeah, and uh, she didn't get a lot of sympathy from the White House. No, she didn't. (laughs) Okay, let's take a call from Sam in Toronto. Hi, Sam. Hey, Libby. Long time no see. I hope you're doing okay. Thanks. I hope you're doing okay, too. Uh, Go ahead.
4: we tried to survive this pandemic. You know, hopefully everybody plays safe, and uh, we are okay. I just have a, because I see, I heard you, um, you know, use the term
1: Islamophobia. And, I don't think uh, I did, actually. I said <laughs> that I didn't okay. use that term, but anyway, uh, yeah.
4: Okay. Well, uh, I just want to say, you know, as an ex-Muslim, I have a problem with, with the term, because I understand Islam is ideology, just like Christianity, Judaism, and everything else. And in a way, you should use the term Muslim phobia, which is, uh, you know, a group of being against a group, certain group of people. That's more like it. But uh, if, you, if you categorize, uh, you know, Islamophobia as people who hate Muslims, you know, that's a thing because millions and millions of people in the Middle East who have had it with Sharia law and Islam, just like myself, millions of Iranians, you know, uh, we criticize the, the religion, and we don't, we don't want to have any live under it. So are we Islamophobes? You know, of course we are. There is nothing wrong with that, because we are criticizing the ideology that torture us, that has put us under so much pain and, you know, whatever. So yeah,
1: is- yeah I think and actually I think the the I, you know I don't want to give any any credence or publicity to this threat but I think it referred to to Muslims and, and not Islamophobia I mean you know you're talking semantics people should have the right to uh, you know disagree with religion be it their own or exactly. the tenets Exactly, but this is but a violent threat. I mean, does it? What, what do you? What do you make of it when you hear about something like that, Sam?
4: Well, to me, as I said, I am against any sort of violence against any sort of people, be it Muslims, Jews, Christian, or anything, or other ideologies. That people, as long as that ideology, as I said, is not, it's got nothing to do with people who rightly or wrongly believe in it. Oh. We have to categorize. We, we cannot divide people per. You know, for their belief. As long as the people in question are not violating other people's rights, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and absolutely. Is, you know, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying, this this Islamophobia term is giving ammunition to uh, you know, um, Silicon Valley, like uh, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere else, to censor people who are rightly criticizing the religion that is tyrannical over them. They're using tyranny over them. Like I know, like thousands and thousands of Iranians who are being 1st blocked on Twitter with a simple report because they're against Muhammad, or they're writing... The oh, Iranians yeah.
1: Are- that, you know, uh, we should take that up in the last few minutes, but that's a, that's a good point. I mean, uh, the question is always, where is the line? Now, Mark Zuckerberg came under a huge amount of criticism where he refused to draw the line against Holocaust denial for years. And right, uh, right. so the question is, uh, where are you being censored and where is hate exactly. speech and where does the hate common speech sense, you know, Common sense, know, turn Indian into violence? Uh, common sense, you know what? That's a good <laughs> point, Sam. Unfortunately, uh, not everybody has it. Sam, thanks for your call. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, that's uh, a, a good thing to, uh, you know, uh, talk about as uh, we head towards the end of our time. Uh, Noah, you know, where is the line between free speech and hate speech, and, and how do we toe that line?
3: You know, it's an excellent, excellent question, because you know, we have two values here. Uh, that are ostensibly at odds here in Canada. Free expression is a pillar of our democratic society. At the same same time, protecting vulnerable people from hate is also something that that we we hold dear. And I think when it comes to something like Holocaust denial, um, it's it's a pretty clear cut example. Uh, Holocaust denial isn't some innocent thing. Isn't some intellectual exercise. This is something that's done exclusively with a purpose and a hateful purpose. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no, the, the issue here isn't about people questioning facts, historical facts. Mm-hmm. It's about people misrepresenting uh, um, uh, facts about the most heinous episode in human history in order to drum up some of the same hatred mm-hmm. that led to the mass murder of Jews, um, uh, 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 you know, in, in living memory. And I think that that's what distinguishes it from from you know just open debate and open discourse uh, around an issue. And and I think we we have to look at that. We have to look at what what is this speech really all about? What is it for? What is the purpose? What is the objective? Uh, before we we weigh in and and determine whether or not it's hateful. And 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 there's also a difference and a distinction that I think more Canadians need to understand that uh, something can be hateful and not criminal. And, and, you know, as we are are engaging with what do we do about hate speech in our society, sometimes it's not rise to the level of criminal hate promotion. But when it is, it needs to be prosecuted. And, and we haven't seen very many uh, prosecutions of hate promotion uh, here in, in Canada for a number of reasons. Okay, and um,
1: Phil? Sorry, Phil?
2: I, uh, yeah, I, I, Go ahead. I agree agree with Noah. I mean, you know, Holocaust denial is simply unacceptable on any level. We may disagree on where that line that, you know, Sam talked about, you talked about Libby, it it is tough. It's tough to, you know, go from freedom of expression and difference of opinion to actual hate. Common sense makes a lot of sense, you meet Libby, but common sense is not the law, unfortunately. And I think that we will continue to struggle as humans to determine what's okay, what's not okay, and what's criminal. It's again, sorry, I've used it again, Libby. It's complicated, and I just wish we had an easier way to figure this stuff out.
1: Okay, uh, I think that's a good note to wrap things up on. Thank you so much, Phil Gursky and Noah Schack. Appreciate your time. Thanks, for thank it. you. Okay, and that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one.